Hey everybody, I'm your host Jordan Cortese, and this is Aguilar Radio. On this week's episode, we're sitting down with none other than Aguilar President Dave Boonshoft to talk about all things EQ, and in particular, our latest addition to the Aguilar lineup, the DB925. A lot of you have asked us what's going on inside that magic little box, what makes broadband boost so special, and what exactly is the coveted Aguilar sound? Well, we're going to chat about all that and more with Dave. So let's dive into this week's episode of Aguilar Radio. All right. Hi, everyone. Jordan Cortese here with Aguilar Radio. And uh, today we have a very special guest, in-house, in-house guest, Dave Boonshoff, president of Aguilar Amplification. Dave, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. It's, well, uh, of course. That's that's true. You, you, don't have much, <laughs> you don't have much of a choice, but I'm here. And, uh, I don't know, you know. Uh, it's it's good to be on Aguilar Radio, and uh, let's talk about uh, whatever you want to talk about related. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about a couple different things, uh, but you know, today our you know our episode, you know, we're focusing here on on EQ, the world of EQ, and how EQ translates into our world here at Aguilar. And uh, you know, Dave, you've of course some people know this, but for those that don't, you know, you have such an extensive background uh, in the studio world. Um, and recording, and 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 that I know uh, has inspired a lot of what has come from Aguilar. And so, tell us, give us a little bit of background for those that don't know first sure. about about sure. what you've done, and then if you can talk to us about how that inspired the kind of gear that you wanted to build when once Aguilar came into the picture. Okay, okay. Well, um, it, you know, it's been a long story with a lot of interesting twists and turns, and and. Uh, uh, I was fortunate enough to learn a little bit along the way in every twist and in every turn. Hmm. So, uh, you know, of course, I came up playing in rock bands and uh, wanted to be a famous bass player and uh, came to New York uh, because I wanted to see if I was good enough to uh, be a studio musician and play with the big boys. Hmm. Uh, it, tur- it turns out I was I was a little shy in that area. But I did play a lot of interesting gigs and do some interesting sessions and uh, enjoyed the hell out of it. Mm. As at a, uh, in the, I guess the early 80s, I started doing a, a lot of studio work and uh, became kind of acquainted with the signal path that I was using as a bass player. Uh, where before that, everything was about my bass guitar. Mm. I knew we plugged it into something. What were you? Well, I'm curious, man. What bass did you have? What were you playing a lot during those days? Oh, you know, uh, every couple of years I would gravitate towards something else. You know, I had one bass <laughs> at the time because that's what that's what you had to roll with. You know, nobody nobody that I knew had a collection of basses. So <laughs> a jazz bass or a P bass. Um, uh, when I did when I came to New York, I did buy a Ken Smith bass. It was very fancy. Wow. And, uh, 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 it was a beautiful bass, but uh, uh, it was tough to use in the studio because the engineers would see it and say, you know, where's your fender? Gotcha, gotcha. So, uh, And by the uh, way, for those that don't know, Dave, you are not a New Yorker. Tell, tell them where you're from. Well, I grew up in southern Ohio. Southern so, Ohio. Southern Ohio. So uh, it's an area of the country they call Kentuckiana, uh, which, of course, doesn't have the word Ohio in it, but it's that southern Ohio uh, Eastern Indiana and Northern Kentucky area. 
So you came to New York and, and now you're starting to, you know, work in these studios. Right. What, what's happening to what you're listening? Like, what is, are you getting inspired by Aguilar? Were you even thinking about, was Aguilar even a thought at this point? Not at, not at all. If somebody had said, uh, you'll manufacture bass gear, I, w- I would have said, you're crazy. Uh, what are you even talking about? I want to, I want to do studio dates and, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, why would I make something? Why would I design anything? But what happened was uh, I was in one particular studio, and uh, at that time, uh, people would, producers would rent gear. So you'd go in and you'd rent the room, and then there'd be a, uh, a menu of outboard equipment you could get for the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this particular studio, uh, there was somebody there. We decided to buy a Neve console, and we were going to part it out. And the idea was to rent the preamps uh, in racks to producers. Interesting. Yeah, and well, that's kind of what it was. We had these uh, boards. uh, There were a lot of rooms had, uh, you know, the boards were okay. They were MCI boards, Harrison boards, uh, uh, early SSL boards. uh, But people wanted uh, what was even at that time vintage analog outboard gear, preamps and compressors. Gotcha. So we, we, we went uh, we went in on this console. Uh, our partnership went south, but I ended up with all the Neve parts. Hmm. And uh, from then, uh, from there, I, I bought more gear uh, from different studios that were going out of business. So I ended up with racks at Telefunk and uh, Mike Prees, hmm. uh, Neve compressors, some good mics, uh, some, some great... Uh, uh, Yuri compressors, uh, Poltex. And was there like, was there a unifying quality or sound to some of these pieces that you were pulling from? Like, like, what did you love about, about what you were, I mean, t- chopping up essentially? Well, they were magic. They really were magic because they had harmonic content. Uh, it was intrinsic to the design of the circuits. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of these, this gear was like the Beatles. You kind of said, well, there's not one element of the design and made it super special but it was all the things combined and and sometimes with the gear was it it was what it didn't do that helped it uh sound specifically like what it was mm-hmm. so uh a relatively simple uh eq like a pull tech sounded amazing um uh, we had a fairchild 670 compressor that was uh, uh had so many parts in there that were related to uh actually cutting records hmm. um, and there a lot of the stuff was in the circuit path you didn't know what it did but mm-hmm. the harmonic content that came out the other end was unbelievable um, so uh, you know from that experience of working with that gear I really started to think of uh, what in my signal chain was making me sound the way I sounded when I, when I recorded interesting and that's kind of what that's what brought that's not kind of that is what brought me to uh uh form Aguilar with uh, Alex Aguilar at that mm-hmm. time and so I want to talk about like some of the you know early products I mean well first our one of our debut product was a preamp mm-hmm. you know the DB680 and right. you know which had such a, an iconic sound to it and then you guys you know we transitioned to you know smaller onboard preamps and then eventually and I want to talk about the nine the DB924 Right. With a two band preamp. And 
It's interesting. So you had you came from the 680, and now you're adapting the, your, your your knowledge of the preamp and how you want things to sound into a two band unit. What were some of the goals of that early design? Well, the, the goal of that design was um, to expand the sonic palette of the of the instrument, and it mm-hmm. was really designed to go inside your bass. It's an on uh, the original uh, design of the preamp is the OBP one, mm-hmm. and uh, the idea was, uh, if you have a passive bass, maybe a jazz bass uh, specifically, what do you want to do uh, take, to make it more of a powerful statement sonically? So uh, if you have red in the bass, and I like to use colors as an uh, analogy here, mm-hmm. you're gonna, then you can turn up the bass control and it's going to become richer. It's going to become crimson. Mm. You know, if you've got... Uh, if you've got blue in the bass, you want to have a deep sky blue. Um, so you, you, you think of it as, as like a painter. Yeah. You're going to be more intense colors. Uh, and do but, you feel like this? these preamps, like do you, did you feel that the goal was to uh, make it bring out what was already naturally in the instrument? Like how do you define character? Because I feel like all these preamps that we've talked about, they all have a character to them. How, you know, even as a, as someone who was designing product, how do you balance character with, you know, serving the instrument sure. well? And Well, you're not going to create a sound that the instrument doesn't already have. If there's no low end in the bass, let's say you get a bass where, you know, you're starting with how the strings are vibrating. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, you know, it starts with the wood. It starts with the strings and, and, and how they vibrate on the wood. Um, you know, these are the parts of the signal chain you have to understand. Uh, the, the pickups are, are transducers, they're microphones. If the pickups uh, have anomalies in them, you're going to lose what was coming from the voice that was the strings in the wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so each thing in the signal path has to uh, do no harm and keep the colors that came before it in the signal chain. And in some parts of the signal chain, you want to expand it and uh, make it richer and, and more vibrant. Mm. And I mean, it, I, I guess this also connects to something that I think made the both the 924 and, you know, we're going to talk about the DB925, the latest addition sure. uh, to our lineup and and a, and a much smaller addition, uh, <laughs> put that in air quotes, quotes. <laughs> micro mini, we'll, we'll figure out what to call it. But, right. you know, uh, two band, and I should be specific here, broadband boost. Right. Now, there's something really special about that. Tell us a little bit more about what makes broadband boost such a, such a not only unique but a musical way of approaching EQ. Well, I think that uh, when you're uh, anytime you're you're boosting frequencies, you don't want to unbalance the instrument uh, because what then do you mean you're by unbalance. Well, unbalance the instrument is uh, let's say you had a a, a boost. You had a you had a center frequency at uh, 200 hertz or a corner frequency, and and it's a very narrow bandwidth, and uh, you say okay we'll turn that up because we like we feel like the mid range will cut through, so you might make that choice in a design, and in an idiosyncratic way that could work great on a, on a song where that's just perfect, hmm. uh, but 90 percent of the time you won't be able to use it because the D string is going to become louder than the E string. Interesting. What happens when there's an acute design like that, then you end up going back and trying to fix it 
with a, maybe the EQ on the amp, or, uh, you know, it gets confusing and hard to arrive at a sound you really like. Mm. But if you have an EQ that boosts uh, broadband and, the, and it, you know, has the right uh, slope to the uh, EQ curve, yeah. you're, you're going to enable whatever is there in that frequency range to be louder in a very natural, uh, harmonically complete way, musical mm -hmm. way. And that's and so what you, you want. You don't, you don't want, you yeah. don't want to add a color that's, uh, that's not musical. And, and, and I realize that saying something's musical is subjective, mm -hmm. but you, you know, when, when, when frequencies are missing and it doesn't sound rich and uh, complex, yeah. that's, that's my definition of not musical. Yeah. I feel like, you know, it's funny cause I feel like, uh, while it is part technical, you know, there's part of this where it is a musical conversation, you know, when you plug in and you, and you start to touch some of these knobs that, you know, it becomes inspiring. You feel it, it changes how you play. Sure. But it should change. It shouldn't impose on how you play. Yeah, that's a great it point. Yeah. Inspire you and, and facilitate you and feel like, uh, you've got a complete system to work with. You should never have to fight your electronics anywhere in a signal chain. Uh, if you've spent the money on a good base or not spent the money, but you have a base you love, <laughs> spending the money is not necessarily the point. You have a base that, that has a voice. Uh, you want your signal chain to make it feel like you can play what you hear in your, in your heart, in your head. Yeah. And, um, it's going to travel the signal path and come out of the speakers and, and be heard. So we touched on the 924, the DB 924 a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. and tell us, tell, let's transition over to the, the DB 925, one more than 10. One we, more. Brought, we brought it to 11. That's That's, <laughs> but, <our> uh, <laughs> so where did, so first, uh, you know, this is our first micro pedal, right. uh, which is special in and of itself. Um, you know, continuing the, I love the, the DB moniker. Uh, to our products, I feel like that's become such an iconic part of of Aguilar. We don't have any idea what it stands for. I think it it may stand for, I don't know, dumb butt. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. We have no idea. We'll, we we'll, we'll, let, we'll let the audience take a guess. You know what it <laughs> Use your imagination. Use your imagination. Uh, but I but I do love, and this was a couple posts ago. Uh, I believe it was like a couple of months ago. Um, GS cabinets, Georgia and Stella. Those are my those I don't know. My daughters. So and 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 then people are like, "Where's the GS cabinets?" But that's for another day. Uh, but the DB nine twenty five. What was the inspiration for doing this, especially in a micro format? Well, um, the DB nine twenty five was a good product, but we we felt you mean the nine twenty four. Nine twenty four, right? Yeah, uh, and. Uh, but in doing a line of micro pedals, which, as you know, being part of Aguilar, we said, okay, micro pedals. <laughs> what would make a good small pedal? Because yeah. my, my personal feeling is that not every, you have to find a, a, a creative design that works well in a micro format, not just take a, a pedal that works well in a larger format and dumb it down, take features out, mm -hmm. uh, take lower the parts count and say, now it's smaller. Yeah. But instead, what what in a portable pedal that you can throw in your back pocket, throw in your bag, what's going to be a, a, a pedal that's going to work very intuitively, mm -hmm. accomplish a, a great sonic uh, goal for you? And um, that's what really inspired us to 
create the DB925 was uh, the DB924 was a great broadband boost pedal, but we felt we could improve it, mm-hmm. redesign it, put it in a smaller package, and uh, that it would be a, a great tool for bass players. So that's what we uh, uh, embarked on doing. And it's a two-band boost, which uh, boost only, we should say, not boost and cut. Right. Um, now, even though there's no mid-range control there, talk a little bit about what happens in the world of broadband boost to the mid-range, because it's not that it just gets left alone. Things happen to it. Well, you have you have an EQ slope. So you have a corner frequency. So the corner frequency on the low end is 40 hertz, and the high end is 4K. And as you turn up the bass, for example, you're going to raise 40 hertz, but also all the frequencies around it. Now, it's not flat. Mm-hmm. There's an EQ curve so that eventually it'll dip off and you'll have a notch at 400. That means it's going to slope downwards. Mm. The high end is going to have a slope towards that notch frequency as well. And that's so as you boost these up, you're going to feel a slight notch at 400. And that's how you can tell whether you're boosting treble or bass as opposed to just doing an overall volume boost. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting what happens when, even when we were plugging into some of the early prototypes on both ends of the spectrum, it's like, not only were you boosting bass, but there was something really, uh, and I'll use the word that we've been using musical to the lower mid range, but even on the top end, you know, boosting treble, uh, in, in, in hearing it in such a beautiful, uh, musical, it's like almost like a beautiful sheen that came over. Like the top end just opens up. Well, you, you're boosting 4K, but you're also boosting 1K, but not an equal amount. Again, there's yeah. a slope mm-hmm. as it goes down towards 400. And the design of that EQ curve is what uh, is going to make you uh, like the sound of what it's doing to your bass. It's mm-hmm. going to open up those colors uh, that are there and make them vibrant and uh, and very three-dimensional. And that's, to, that's, yeah. that's what you want to... Uh, I think that that's a good goal for a product like the DB925. Hmm. Easy to use. Uh, I don't think you can really get a bad sound out of it. It's not that complex. It's intuitive. Uh, and uh, uh, it's, it's going to give you a good tone. And how does, like, talk a little bit about, for those that are wondering, um, how this integrates into the completeness of their bass and their rig. You know, you always talk about um, our products completing the bass guitar, sure, sure. right? And so where does the where does something like a DB925 fit in that? Because, you know, like I'm thinking about the tone hammer, guys who's got the tone hammer amp. Um, how this boost pedal hits that preamp is also going to change how the whole system interacts. And it's actually really beautiful. Right. Well, you know, to clarify, when we talk about completing the bass, um, one of the things I've been saying for the last 25 years is uh, (laughs) when we talk about Aguilar philosophy, uh, the electric bass is is a thing of beauty, but it it needs electronics. That's why they call it the electric bass, (laughs) as opposed to the porpoise bass, in which case it would need a porpoise or a purpose. (laughs) There we go. <laughs> or a purpose with a purpose. But, there you go. But uh, uh, so uh, that's the fun thing about amplifiers, uh, speaker cabinets, preamp mm-hmm. uh, pedals. These are the filters, the transducers, the amplifiers, 
these are the parts of the signal chain that complete the electric bass. Mm-hmm. You know, when I take my bass out of the closet and sit down to play, uh, I'm happy to see it. It's an old friend. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's warm to the touch. It's alive. But I got nothing until I plug it in. Mm-hmm. So uh, once I plug it in, now we have a signal path. Now I can play some music on it. Yeah, and I love how, you know, the 925, it just... You know, it just adds a, a dimension to almost every rig that you plug, whether it's the AG, the Tone Hammer, the 751, sure. uh, and it's it's like another flavor. And uh, like you always say, rice or babka, they're they're different flavors, man. Uh, I've only said that once, really. <laughs> you know, so well, I always say rice. In the or public babka. eye, I was I was trying to. I, I actually always say chicken or steak, but chicken or. You know, it's interesting. I feel like I I feel like I've heard more babka, but you know, food references for those that are listening at Aguilar, food references are important. We're talking EQ, shelves, curves, all that stuff. What what does it really come down to? Rice, babka, steak, or chicken? That's how we describe it. Something. I mean, you know, <laughs> well, we use that we use that uh, food analogy with, uh, you know, what's better, the Tone Hammer five hundred or the ag 700 or something yeah they're, they're different meals yeah yeah uh, absolutely you know so uh, uh you know you, you may want to eat chicken every night or you may not mm-hmm. i i told totally get it well i mean like let's talk about this I, and I, this leads me to my next question which is how do you how does dave yes. how do you define the aguilar sound what does that mean to dave well, um, what it means to me is that we have an approach to sound uh, or approach to designing the gear that we design that, that helps you create the sound and complete your signal path. And that approach has certain things in it that yield the same result. So uh, when we design pickups, which are microphones, we're looking for uh, uh harmonic balance we're looking for uh the pickups to have you know we don't want to you can design a pickup that has that really destroys the overtone series you can do the overlap of this wire wrong you Mm -hmm. can uh you can add distortion you can make the frequency response off pickup design uh uh, and the pickups in your bass really influence your uh your sound Mm -hmm. so the goal there is to have uh, a great harmonic bounce that you hear all the dynamic energy on the attack of the note that, that is part of why you play the electric bass, mm-hmm. the harmonic content on the attack. And then after the attack, what happens? Does, do you hear the note travel up through the overtone series? Does the note bloom? Does it, does it have strength and yeah. sound complex or does it sound dull and broken? Is things missing yeah. In, yeah. Uh, as you listen? And that design approach is the same uh, that I would say that sonic goal to create that uh, harmonic complexity and dynamic power is the same approach and the same goal and the same approach has to be used uh, whether we're designing speakers, amps or preamps or a pickup. Um, Obviously, the the approach is different when you're designing a pickup Mm -hmm. than when you're designing an amplifier. But... um, we're always driving towards that goal of harmonic and dynamic yeah. uh, truth and complexity 
in a musical sound. That's great because I think there's, you know, players too. You could definitely feel, you know, when you plug into a rig, a preamp, any of these pieces of gear and just feel at home. Like th this is, things feel right. That's the goal. You, you know, you, you want to play music, not fiddle with your stuff. You yeah. know, uh, uh, yeah. you know, if you, if you've ever played acoustic instruments, you know, played mm -hmm. a great violin, you pick it up, you put a little rosin on the bow, tighten it up and go. Yeah. And, and, uh, if you've got music in your heart and your soul, um, and, uh, you've practiced a little bit, yeah. it's, yeah. it's going to come out and, mm -hmm. um, your electronic gear should be the same. Yeah. I feel like, you know, the 925, one thing that is special you know, for people that are wondering the, the simplicity of it is to me, it's probably just in my opinion, the most powerful part about it. Cause it stays out of the way. You know, right. Dave, I think you said it in your demo, a little bit goes a long way on this pedal. And right. it's really great to have, you know, uh, something in the signal chain that you don't have to think about and go fiddle with after the song. Right. You know, well, you, you know, you can fiddle with it if you want, you know, uh, you certainly, it comes with the, it has a foot switch. Uh, the earlier DB 924 did not have a foot switch. Yeah, that's right. So, so you could say, you know, um, uh, I'm going to do a bunch of songs where I'm playing uh, dotted quarter note grooves and they're all mm -hmm. ballads and I want a nice thick sound and you could set that up with the EQ on your amp. Yeah. And, uh, and then do a little treble boost, uh, when you, you're going to do a bass that has a sharper attack, maybe you're going to play with a pick, uh, or slap. Yeah. And, uh, that can be your second voice there. So you can, you can change it in that way. Mm -hmm. It's certainly, uh, you know, sound evolves. If you ever play a gig by the third song, everybody's twice as loud as they were when they started, <laughs> you know? And, yeah, you know, very true. You know, and, and, uh, this the other guitar player all of a sudden there's more mid-range so I think okay i need to i need to add a little bit more bottom maybe i'll pull the mid-range the treble back so it's 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 not exactly at your fingertips because it's going to be on the floor or on top of your amp yeah close enough you can reach down and make an adjustment that could be effective yeah yeah, yeah. So you have all the the, uh, the ability to do all those things and and uh uh it's going to be pretty intuitive. You're not going to get lost and kind of go, wow, I, I, I increased the bass. Now I have to go fix the other bit. Mm. Um, it's going to be right there. And, uh, uh so how do you, how do you think about like, how do you, how, for someone who says I got a tone hammer preamp right. DI. Okay. And I want to get the DB 925. So right. do you, is it still a steak and chicken conversation? Uh, from a sound point of view? I mean, feature set aside. Well, you can't say feature set aside because they're two different tools. So we can only use the chicken or steak thing with the uh, AG700 and the Tonehammer 700. Although they have different features, they're mm -hmm. both pre-amplifiers and amplifiers. So they're doing the same, they're the same type of tool. Okay. So... The Tone Hammer preamp DI uh, is a great, first of all, it's a great uh, direct box. Yeah, it is. And uh, you can, uh, obviously, you can record or uh, send to the house pre or post. Um, you have very, uh, uh, you have a semi-parametric mid-range, a sweeper mm -hmm. 
you have a distortion circuit that's built in with uh, extra gain. Um, so it, it's a different tool. Now you can use it as a second voice, like you could use a 925 because it is foot switchable. Um, but uh, it's it's made for, uh, I, I would say it's a great DI with a terrific amount of uh, uh, control for your EQ. Mm-hmm. Whereas a DB925 is, a, is you're gonna do it on the run and use it to increase the palette of your instrument. Gotcha. Intensify the palette. It's a palette intensifier. <laughs> we would like to say there. <laughs> Whereas, um, uh, you know, the Tone Hammer preamp DI yeah. is a bass player's DI uh, that you're going to use in that context and for that kind of tool. Yeah, I think that's a great way of looking at it. You know, different tools, you know, for different needs, and right. and so uh, so that yeah, absolutely. And this Dave, would be a Rice and Bobka thing because because ah. they're both carbohydrates right <laughs> they're both carbohydrates yeah it's completely different that's right so you know uh i think that that would fit here wouldn't I think we could take but it would be rice or vodka okay because uh, yeah i think folks if you're wondering what's the next shirt aguilar's coming out with it's going to be a rice or babka shirt right. we're going to do it <laughs> well all right dave what's i mean so you had uh in our demo video said the first addition to uh, the first of our line of micro pedals. What can we expect down the road from, 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 from Aguilar's micro pedal line, man? What, what, what's cooking? Well, uh, there will be no bullshit. I can tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, well, we're working on a couple things. And, and again, I, I think during the beginning of our conversation, I said, look, let's figure out, uh, People love micro pedals. I love micro pedals. Mm-hmm. They're fun. They're convenient. Let's figure out what is going to work well. Uh, first of all, it has to be a great tool for bass players. We're we're designing tools that are specifically for bass players. It doesn't mean you can't plug a guitar into them, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, they're for bass players. And uh, what's going to work intuitively and completely and do a job in a small format? Uh, so. Uh, to that end, we've got a couple things up our sleeves, uh, certain uh, products for dynamic control. That would be uh, compressors, limiters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like to make funky sounds. Uh, yeah. Could be envelope followers. Um, but th- each one of these are going to have a twist to them mm-hmm. that is uh, specific to the product. Because cool. uh, we don't want to make the smaller versions of the TLC compressor, a small version of the filter twin. Yeah. Those products are very specific for for what they are. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, frankly, you couldn't put them in a small box. Uh, The parts count is too high. Um, The design of the circuits are too complex. So you're going to need something that's going to work in a micro format and still accomplish the goal of adding to the value uh, uh, and the quality of the bass player sound be fun to use and easy to use and musical. Yeah. Well, Dave, before we wrap up our time here, man, uh, for for those that are wondering, what are you listening to, man? What are you spinning these days? Well, I'm not spinning anything because <laughs> you don't spin vinyl. I don't spin vinyl. You know, I wow. mean, uh, uh, I still have, you know, the vinyl collection 
that I've dragged around with forever. And it used to be hundreds of albums. Then it became dozens of albums. Now it might be a hundred albums. But, but uh, you know what? We're going to remodel our apartment, and I, I want to put in a good stereo system. Yeah. But maybe maybe the turntable will make a return at that point. But uh, what I am listening to on the uh, uh, Spotify and everything is. The Fiona Apple, Apple's Apple, Apple. <laughs> album, Fiona uh, Apple, yeah, man, her latest past, album. Past the bolt cutters, uh, she's such a genius. Uh, the the poetry, the grooves, uh, the the sounds. Uh, I think it's a terrific album. So I've been spinning that, and um, you know, but and I listen to a lot of jazz. You know, uh, uh, I'm. I've been on a kick of just uh, uh, Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. Yeah. Uh, you know, and other stuff, Horace Silver, kind of uh, larger ensemble stuff, Oliver Nelson. Oliver Nelson, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'll listen to that at night. That's kind of, at night I like to hear grooves, saxophones, trumpets. Uh, uh, last night was a, I, I, I was had Freddie Hubbard and Donald Byrd and, um, Clifford Brown in rotation. That's awesome. So, uh, uh, but that Fiona Apple, you got to hear it. Yeah, man. It's a great, and it's so good to see her back after all these years and come out with something so special, some heavy players too on those albums. She's always had, always had great, great musicians. And, you know, I don't know who's playing on it because since we don't have album covers, but uh, I I need to look it up. Good cat. (laughs) They're certainly doing it good. I know that. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, Dave, thanks so much, man, for joining us. Uh, on Aguilar Radio, this has been a great conversation, and uh, thanks for thanks for telling us the history, what inspires you, and and of course what's coming down the road for Aguilar. Man, it means a lot to us, and uh, we hope to, we're going to definitely have you again on the program. So we can't wait. Well, you know, I can I can force my way into this program anytime. You know, this, this is true. This is true. But uh, uh, it's great to have uh, Aguilar Radio on the airwaves, yeah, and, man. Uh, reaching across the country. And across around the world. And uh, thanks a bunch, Dward. Thanks for hosting. Uh, My my pleasure, man. Everyone, thanks so much for joining us on Aguilar Radio. Stay tuned. Visit us on AguilarAmp.com to learn more about the DB925 and all the other products you heard about today. And also follow us on Instagram at AguilarAmp for the latest uh, from the team. And uh, we can't wait to uh, chat with you all next time. Have a good one.